it really is a commitment to understanding what you're saying to women. And if, if you don't, it, it's going to come off so hollow. Listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, where James Robert interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay, and welcome to the 117th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Brian Harris to the show. Brian is the Executive Creative Director at Bradley & Montgomery, a boutique creative agency helping brands be magnetic by earning the audience attention through creating things that they the audience are attracted to and care about. Brian and his team have worked with brands including Chase, First Financial Bank, MasterCard, Zelle, OnDeck, and even Apple with their Apple Card. And I want to come back here to the point about earning the audience's attention because that's exactly what Brian and I are going to be talking about today, the audience, and more specifically, the female audience and how financial brands can win the hearts and minds of women. With that, welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you for having me. You know, before we get into the conversation, I always like to start off on a positive note. What is one thing that you are excited about right now, whether that be personally or professionally? What's giving you a lot of good energy right now? Oh, gosh, I'd have to say TikTok. TikTok. Um, TikTok. Gosh, I love TikTok. Um, You know, I'm a little freaked out at times at how well that algorithm has learned me um, and what I enjoy, but that's what makes it so wonderful. Um, you know, I, I usually start start my day with a good 15 or 20 minutes of just TikTok videos and, and just seeing the creativity that's out there. I mean, uh, you know, YouTube unleashed that in the, you know, in the beginning and, and we saw the, the rise of the creator, uh, but oh my gosh, it's just in, it's accelerating so much with with TikTok, and and I think you're onto something with that because you you mentioned TikTok and the creativity. YouTube now has more of that TikTok like platform that they're trying to bring in with their shorts and the creativity and the and almost it's the creator economy is something that I'm fascinated by because when you and I had Joe Polizzi on the show from Content Marketing Institute and he just re released Content Inc. And there's such a fantastic opportunity now that anyone literally can, can with a creative thought, an idea, can go out, build an audience. It's going to take some time, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, and then figure out a way to create value and monetize whatever that creative passion is. Um, I, there's a guy, his name is this Mark. Is it Mark Ro- Robert? Uh, Rober? He's a, I think is his last name. My kids mm-hmm. just turned me on to him. He's an ex NASA engineer. He was at NASA okay. and then he left and he's been doing all these like science videos. And my kids are all just learning from. So learning is even transformed because of these different elements. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's amazing. Just, uh, you know, 
obviously we we've gone through as our age we've gone through a decent amount of change um with media and and we truly are into the i mean tiktok is the ultimate blip media um you know i can go from a video where i'm i'm watching uh you know a, a home inspector do a funny video about about flipping you know fails you know oh. all the things that someone did in the home that were horrible you know right into uh uh someone doing some really crazy inventive video technique sort of video where it's all about the the transitions and things like that and then onto a dog video you know it's just this after this after this but um you know to to the point of the things that we're we're talking about today particularly women um you know I find social media, whether it was Twitter before, um, now TikTok, it's such a great way to to see what the audience is talking about, what's on their mind. Um, you know, if you see 2.1 million people liked this video, there's a reason. Right. You know, something is resonating. Um, and so it, it's become a, I mean, it's entertainment, but it's also emotional intelligence for me to understand, okay, oh, they're angry about this, or they're excited about this. Um, so it's, a, it's also just a great tool. Yeah. And I think that that idea and in, in, in coming back to building and connecting relationships with women and money and finances, money empathy has been something that's been big on my mind lately. And as I mentioned before, I see the female market as a tremendous opportunity for growth, perhaps even a niche market opportunity, niche marketing, niche audiences being focuses on episodes 71, 111, and 115 for the dear listener to come back and reference. But it, it, it's because women are becoming the, the and, and growing to be the 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 household breadwinner and that's jumped from 23% in 2019 up from 11% in 1967 so almost a quarter and then nearly 9 in 10 women who are married or live with a partner said that they're also involved in spending decisions in their household so 90% and that's up from just 42% in in 2012 according to uh research from a firm called Hearts and Wallets and so when we look at this Women also control the majority of consumer spending, but there's a problem. And this problem is the opportunity that I see for financial brands as women often feel disconnected from their finances. And I want to dig into that to begin with. Why is that? You've written an article about this. Why do women feel disconnected? What's making them feel feel disconnected? Where's the gap here, Brian? There's a few things. Um, one of the just simple ones is is a generational issue. Uh, you can go back to, I mean, this is what's stunning to me. You can go back to 1988 for a bill that was passed where women no longer had to have a male signature for their business loan. 1988, that's 33 years ago. Wow. Women who owned a business truly didn't own their business. You know, if, if they wanted help from a bank, uh, they had to find a male relative to co-sign their loan. And so when you think about that, that, that passing along of knowledge, we've, we've only had a generation and a half 
of time between 1988 and now. Um, and so we're the the gender roles that are part of that as well, you know, the the father isn't necessarily passing that information on to the daughter. Um, it's definitely improving. I mean, I think we are seeing that, like just a lot of statistics you're talking about, uh, that people, parents are, are, you know, being better about informing their children and their, their female children. But you really do have to go back to this generation issue that women just haven't had the same runway that men have had. What are the opportunities for financial brands to maybe begin to bridge that gap, to provide a path forward, to to really empower women when it comes to money, when it comes to finances, because there's just such an inherent cognitive load and complexity tied to this. It takes a toll on their health and relationships and well-being. What's the opportunity here, do you see? I think one of the things is to reassure women that they aren't that far behind. Mm. Uh, I think that gap, there's, there's, a, there's a bigger perceived gap than there is in reality. Um, you know, men will, they do, like I said, they have some of that, maybe their dad passed some of this financial knowledge onto them. There's the ex- expectation that a man is supposed to know about money. The truth is, I, I think the the amount of knowledge is is not that big, <laughs> you know, in reality. Um, and so, I think what banks have to do is to say, you know, hey, ha- have the confidence. Like, you know more than you think, you know, and obviously you're you're more than capable. Um, and so, I think it's it's a lot about just just reassurance and saying, uh, yeah. you know. A conf, you, you have the comp, you, you have the ability. Um, there's just a little bit of information and you need, and, and you're can, you can be off and running. And I think that point of empowerment and then also confidence is, is a key part of this because whenever there's that little bit of self doubt that starts to creep in, it's it, it, here's an opportunity for a financial brand to come alongside and see walk with them. You've got this. You're going in the right direction. Let's get you across to the next level, to the next step. And and when you think about building relationships, financial brands building relationships with women, what's a commonly held belief that we'll just say others in the financial services space they might have that you potentially disagree with put another way where might others be misguided in their thinking about marketing and building relationships with women and 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 that those beliefs could be holding them back to creating value that's that's a good question um i think there has been in some regards banking's been kind of a a punitive industry for a long time. Mm. Um, it's all about you do you do the right things at the right time. If you don't, we're we're gonna charge you a fee. We're gonna we're gonna, you know, do something to you. And a lot of, a lot of penalties. A lot of penalties. Negative reinforcement. Um, yes. And you're seeing this shift happening where banks are realizing, oh, wait a minute, our our job is not to to be this punitive parent, you know, to be this um, kind of, you know, if, if we're talking about this, like a, a negative father figure in a lot of ways, um, instead, we're supposed to be helping you along. Uh, 
And you're seeing that change happen quite a bit in the fintech world uh, where it's like, hey, you know what? Um, you need a couple hundred bucks until the next paycheck comes along. Yeah, stuff happens. We'll, we'll help you out. Um, I think you have to, there's still, there's still a lot of that old punitive thinking. I mean, I'm not going to say that that's, and I think that's what you're kind of getting to. Um, I think that's what the big shift banks really have to make from a mindset is like, you're not, you're not the rule maker anymore, or you shouldn't be the rule maker anymore. You're a facilitator. That right there, a facilitator, a guide, and something that I've been really honing in on is a coach. Um, and it comes back to money empathy because what we know in the financial services space, whether you're at a bank or a credit union, you've got five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years of knowledge and experience doing this stuff every single day. People don't go and buy a home every day. People don't go and get a personal loan every day. And back to the point of FinTech, we're seeing this, this money empathy starting to come out with brands like uh, Elvest and Smart Purse and the Financial Gym out of New York, who is literally, it's a membership coaching program, but it's clear that their positioning is really targeted and tailored to a female demographic audience. And so I, I, I want to make a point on this. Um, there was a quote uh, from a study that was sponsored by Axiom and, and then conducted by Cornerstone Advisors. And this quote noted, we cannot treat women as a single customer segment. That approach will fail. And and I agree with this. I agree with this sentiment because the, the, the diversity of women is very broad and it's easy to make stereotypical missteps and, 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 and those flaws to happen and come out very, very quickly, which can, can cause some brand damage. Um, how can financial brands ensure that they don't get trapped in some sort of stereotypical bias when it comes to marketing and building relationships with women here? Yeah, that, that's been a, a challenge with our industry forever. You know, I, I work in advertising, you know, more specifically than even marketing. And there's always this risk that you're going to overgeneralize. Uh, even when you're looking at data, yeah. um, you know, you'll, you'll get Twitter data. And there's this thing that you're going to jump and go, oh, this is a great piece of information. Well, you're still only getting the person who spoke out on Twitter. Right. Um, but back to the, the point about women and, and how different both from, uh, especially in an age perspective, um, you know, we look at millennials right now, um, one in five will identify as LGBTQ, you know, uh, I think half of people over the age of 30 are, are divorced or not married. Um, you know, there's there's always this thing that you just start to go to the, oh, the classic structure of man and woman, baby, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Not that, yeah. It's not that. Um, and it's going to continue to to not be that in, in a greater fashion, as especially as you get to Gen Z. You know, like that one in five stat of LGBTQ, you know, might change to two in five um, by the time we get to that generation. I think, In fact, I think if there was a study I, I saw in Spain um, that was very close to that. Um, and so this idea that, yeah, you're talking to one type of woman, um, is just, just not, not the case. So 
you know, you need to figure out who you're talking to, you know, who is the person that um, you want. Um, and, and obviously different products are different life stages, um, different parts of the country, um, all that can change. But yeah, the, uh, the, the key is to, to, to make sure that when you are particularly digitally targeting, where you have some of that ability to pick the, the media partner, um, that, it, that your, your POV is correct for, for the person you're talking to. I, I, I'm I'm doing more thinking around because because you mentioned life stage uh, marketing. I'm actually doing some more thinking around life stage products and how a life stage product can help to because the the big concern with fintech it's death by a thousand cuts. There's so much more brand choice and options available than ever before at a consumer level. And so incumbent financial brands, they want to retain that PFI, that primary financial institution relationship. And so instead of thinking about life stage from a marketing standpoint, we think about life stage from a product standpoint and moving someone through these different life stages with different products designed for a specific life stage. And to me, there's an opportunity in, uh, with that when it comes to th- this this idea of building relationships, marketing uh, t- to women. And and so I, what are some of the other opportunities from the work that you've done, from the research that you've seen, from the writings that you've shared, big opportunities to, to bridge this gap, to bridge this divide and, and really like like we said before, walk alongside women on their own financial journey to empower and ultimately build their confidence? I think one of the things is, like you were saying, the, the product themselves, um, people are, are reaching these different stages of their life at different ages. Yes. Um, and And I think that there's a lot of value at times to showing the the what I would call the 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 outlier um, or the the front edge of something. So you know, show a 27 year old woman shopping for a home on her own. Um, you know, one, I don't think that the people look at that the same way that they would have 10, 15 years ago. It would be like. What what is what is this? What is she even doing? I, I don't know what a young woman would be doing looking at a home. You know, like this. I, I mean, I'm not kidding. Like that's how marketing used to think. It would be well, we can't show her doing that. That's that's not realistic. Well, no one people don't react that way now. And and yes, it may be on the front edge of the type of customer, but you know what it says to that person is yeah, no, we want you. And, and, and bringing them into the, the tent. Um, I think that's really it. You know, it's, it's representation. It's just one of the biggest things that you can do in, in your marketing. Um, you know, and I think we see that across a, a lot of different things, uh, whether it's entertainment to advertising to um, politics, whatever it is. It's just there, there has to be greater representation, and, and that makes a huge difference. Technology has transformed our world, 
and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to, because James Robert wrote the book that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now, back to the show. Yes, and and back to this point, that 27-year-old woman buying a home, uh, I've seen it. I literally, literally just had this conversation with my son's fifth grade teacher. We we took her to lunch. Uh, my son wanted to keep in touch with her, and so my wife said, why don't we invite her to lunch and just see how her summer's going? And we, it was a four-hour lunch. We had the most fantastic <laughs> conversation. So she's been a teacher for probably 10 years now, not married. Uh, owns a home, bought it at, I think she said she was 27, 28. And it was just, a, it was a great story of success and confidence in how she did it. And it's like she made it and she was, you could see it. You could hear it in her voice. She was so proud. And I thought to myself, if that enthusiasm was able to be captured and bottled up, what an amazing story then to transfer to others. I also can't help but think about the conversation in episode 105 that I had with Jennifer Beeston, who's a nation's top 1% lender. And she was talking about how as a newlywed, um, she got into some trouble. Her and her husband were approved for a mortgage, but then they ended up getting the maximum amount for the purchase price. Well, by the time that you had property tax and insurance, it put them underwater and that was that was the reason that she became a mortgage lender because she did not want other people to have that same experience. So there's that that idea of money empathy coming back into play because she walked that journey herself and she's wanting to prevent others from having those same experiences, pains, pitfalls. Speaking about pain and, and this idea of women and building relationships with women from a financial brand, what are some of the common pains and struggles that you have seen, that you've heard about when it comes to just women and their relationship with, with money? What might some of those be? Like I said before, I think there is this, it's just confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, women already know more than they think they know. Um, I mean, that's an overstatement, but of, of generalization, you know, like I said, we talked about earlier, hey, we're talking about a, a wide range, but I really do believe millennial generation, Gen Z generation, um, the, the knowledge is, is, is there. Um, I think they believe there's some, some magic or something that they don't know. There's like this little key that they haven't been provided. And, and there might be little bits of that information, but like I said, it's not as much as one would, would think. Mm. And so, it's it's about that it's about confidence it's really saying 
um, you, you have this, you, you know, more than, than you think, you know, um, and we have the little extra, you know, that you might need. I think the, the other thing, the other pain point is from an organization standpoint, you talk about money empathy, um, is digging into your organization and finding like that, that woman you were talking about who became a mortgage lender because of the experience she had. Um, I think women respond well to hearing the stories, the scars, what someone else went through that, you know, that commiseration, like, oh, I experienced that too. Um, if you can find people in your organization who, who have been through these things, who have, who've, you know, also still faced there's there's a lot of sexism out there. There's there's still a lot of people who who treat women like the little lady, um, and and I think that that common experience is just a great thing if you can bring it forward. And I think to build upon that thought, and I'm going to leap ahead two to three years. Um, there's a great book that I'm reading right now. Shout out to Bryce Nobles over at MX for the recommendation. Uh, but it's called The Business of Belonging. And it's about the role that building communities, and I see digital as a, a community building mechanism, so that women in particularly don't feel alone on this journey. They're able to congregate. And to bringing this back to your point, I think you used almost like the role of a facilitator or a connector as a financial brand to to build this sense of that's what the financial gym is doing uh, mm -hmm. out of New York. And so you can do this at a macro level, at a larger regional or a national brand, or even at a micro level with a community financial brand. Uh, and, and, and to me, thoughts on building digital community, uh, because that really kind of comes back to the point that you're making to start this with, with TikTok and how you get, you've got content creators and contributors, and then you've got consumers as well. What would that look like to build a, we'll call it a community of like minds to facilitate conversations so that people don't feel alone. The ultimate goal is to build their confidence, regardless of if someone has a relationship with said financial brand or not. It becomes almost mm -hmm. taking like the Joe Polizzi Content Inc. approach that it's um, it's a property that's independent of our brand. It's almost what I think of what American Express did with Amex Open Form as they were trying to get into that small business market years ago. Maybe there's a play here. Um, to, to riff on. I think there is a, what I would say is, is <laughs> it's, it's maybe a real simple thought, but be where you need to be. Um, and when I say that there is the digital world where you need to be. And then, and then there's the physical world. Um, be a part of the, the physical organizations in your markets. You know, if it's uh, if there's an entrepreneurial women's organization, make sure your, your financial brand has representation there. Make sure, you know, you're in person at the events, but then that group also has, you know, likely Facebook community and, in in Twitter and Instagram community, try to be a part of, of that. Um, pick the right, um, uh, you know, we talked about creators, you know, pick the, 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 their media now, you know, become, become part of their stories if you can. 
Um, because there's a lot of micro influencers, there's a lot of medium sized influencers out there. Uh, and they, they, they gotta make content, you know, they, they, they have things they need to talk about. And if you could come on and say, Hey, I am an, uh, expert on helping women invest. I am an expert on helping women budget. I am an expert in, uh, you know, just the demystification of of finances whatever that is um i think there's just a lot of opportunity out there i mean the biggest challenge is honestly being able to to prioritize yeah. you know which ones you yeah. want to be a part of yeah that's like content collaborations and, and 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 it comes back to this idea of of niche and niche focus that i mentioned before i can't help but think of uh what agility bank uh, out of Houston, Texas is doing. Uh, they're a de novo. They're just getting started up. It's female owned and it will most likely be female run. Um, it plans to be a community bank that is digitally focused to, to make banking and as its name agile. Mm -hmm. And the president and CEO Lauren Sparks is really aiming for uh, serving a diverse population of, of Houston with a particular focus on women and minorities and so to me it's when you get this focus um and get really clear at this ideal market segment because i think that that idea of women coming right to the point is such a broad overlay that there are almost niches within that broad overlay that you can build a community around when you build that community then you can find the the, the connections and relationships from a quote-unquote influencer standpoint and it's just this self perpetuating self-giving of value and as a result by creating value for others you'll create value for the financial brand and it's a long play just like it takes time to build any relationship it's going to take time to build community thoughts on that because i can hear the dear listener in the back of their mind saying oh well, we just don't have time we don't want to invest mm -hmm. the time oh that's what it is though <laughs> it is time and and i think that's uh yeah, that's the thing that maybe I wrestle with the most when uh, a financial institution approaches me because um, when you are talking about women, when you are talking about building community, it, it's a lot of not just effort on whoever your hiring's side. It's a lot of effort on, on your internal yes. side. And, and truthfully, most people aren't prepared for that conversation. And if you think that this is a three month, six month year, no, I mean, these are, these are things that take three, five years to, to really have the payoff for it. But once it does, it's a machine, like you were saying, you know, um, it will feed itself, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a whole organizational effort that has to be put behind content and being a part of these, digital communities. Yeah, and, and I wanna dive a little bit deeper into that because to continue to build relationships with women, to be magnetic as I had shared before, to earn the audience attention through creating things that they, the audience, are attracted to, that they care about, what are some of the biggest roadblocks that a financial brand, a bank, a credit union must be aware of that could hold them back from capturing some of the opportunities that, that we've conversed around here today? What could stand in their way? 
bring down the stoic wall. That that's that's the big thing. Um and banks will wrestle with that because they're the financial institution. You know, just even those words, financial institution, institution. It, it it says something. And you you really have to to change your own maybe perception of who you were um and maybe who you're now going to be uh and i and i think that's really it is is trying to be a more understanding more empathetic more emotional more just honest um speaking from the heart uh sort of brand i, I think that's what I think that's particularly, yeah, millennials, Gen Z is going to respond to uh, long-term. I mean, it, you're, you're hitting on some key points that I have a lot of conversations with in our coaching program that all transformation that leads to future growth, all transformation begins with two things. Number one, telling the truth, telling the truth to yourself, telling the truth to your team about where you've been where you're at and where you could grow next. And it's the where you could grow next is the scary part of it because it's uncharted territory and it's forcing people to come out of a cave of complacency that has created a, for lack of a better word, a pseudo confidence internally. But the world has transformed and will continue to transform. COVID has been an exercise of what I'm saying of, of just change management that's going to unfold over the next five to 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. It's a warm up, if you will, at a macro level. And I think it's those can, that can feel uncomfortable, that can feel comfortable feeling uncomfortable and make that a part of their operating DNA, and which has not been the case in banking for the last you know 500 years. It's been pretty right. stable. It's been pretty secure. But when you're talking about fintech and now we get crypto into the conversation and DeFi. it's like and then you get all the changes to consumer behaviors and those market trends and technology trends it's it can feel like you're on a, a sea of chaos and so the best thing to do is to ascend to what i call the apex of awareness and just take a look around just look around yeah. objectively without emotion and just look and learn and listen and get really good at asking good questions and don't have any assumptions. Cause I think when we start making these assumptions, that's what gets us into, that's why I love doing this podcast. Cause just talking today, asking, I've learned so much and I hope that the dear listener has as well. This has been a great conversation, Brian. I want to get really practical here mm -hmm. as we wrap up here at the end, two simple recommendations that the dear listener can commit to take action on because all change, all transformation begins with a simple commitment to take some action, to move forward, to make progress along their digital growth journey. And I, I like to call this the game of start and stop. And so to begin, what is one thing that you would recommend financial brands start doing to optimize the way that they build relationships with women, and I'm going to add in a digital world for some context mm -hmm. here. What would they, what could what's one thing they could start doing? I always I'm going to build on something you you said just a second ago. There is so much importance to being honest with yourself. The thing that drives me insane is I will see words used internally at an organization but no one has internalized those words Ooh, 
Great point. And, and that that is that's that's so challenging. Um, so if if you're going to put something down on paper, if you're going to say this is our mission, or this is who we are, or this is how we are going to relate to women, um, boy, you you better understand it. You really have to understand it, and you really have to talk about it as an organization, and and do it deeply, not on a surface level. Don't just get, you know, just don't think this is marketing. Hey, I'm just going to get this done and whip bang, it's done. No, it, it really is a commitment to understanding what you're saying to women. And if, if you don't, it, it's going to come off so hollow. Um, and, and I, and that's like, so that, that's one of the big things that, that financial, and, and this is true, probably a lot of our brands, but financial institutions, um, Everyone gets caught up in in moving fast and moving on to the next next thing, but you really have to understand and internalize the truth. Yes, and and you're right. If if this is regulated and put in that marketing box, it is destined to fail if it is not believed and self-actualized and owned by the organization at large if this is indeed an organizational commitment which would require training and review and optimization and i think back to your point it's a longer game it's you know you know 18 months 3 years 5 years of just continuous progress but but i think it's so important important to measure the progress of this journey by looking behind it where we've come from instead of looking ahead at what we still have to do because that's where that frustration begins to set in and uh, let's just go back to the status quo because it's what we know and it was safe and it was secure and that's where we get trapped back into the cave of complacency but it's those that find the courage to break free, to move forward, and then to create something new, I really believe that's what the marketplace is going to reward over the next five to 10 years specific to the the banking space here. And so if we're going to start this on one hand, uh, I also need, we need to be mindful that if we add something to our plates, we also need to clear our plates as well and let go of something let go of something from the past to create that space and time to create something new so on the flip side what's one recommendation that you would have for the dear listener that they could stop doing to ultimately maximize the relationship with women going forward into the future so so building off of that that point of really internalizing what you're what you're doing now, um, what you're trying to do, who you're speaking to, and have that deep understanding. Um, I think the there is this desire right now that everyone thinks that the world is moving at a million miles per hour, which which it somewhat is. But people are always looking down the road, and. There and when you do that, you're you're not doing a great job today, um, and and I think that's really what back to a point you're making. Let's look at what we're how we're succeeding now, and build a step on that. 
Mm. Not not just say, oh my gosh, well, that was great. We, we did that thing, check mark, move along. Um, there just needs to be a pr- be in the moment, be present, really yes. be present. And, and that's not to say don't plan, don't think about the future, but my gosh, um, people really get into that mindset of I've done it, it's over, I'm moving on to the next thing. And, and that's not how this is successful. No, it comes back to what we call those four digital growth operating environments. You can be learning, you can be thinking, you can be doing, you can be reviewing, but you can only be in one place at one time. Um, and the danger is to get stuck in the doing, never creating the space and time to review what you've done, to learn from those experiences, to think about the insights that you've gained, and then apply it to the next iteration going forward. Brian, if anyone is listening, they have questions, they want to connect, they want to continue the dialogue that we started today, what's the best way for them to reach out, say hello to you? Uh, you can just reach out to my email, uh, brian at bamideas.com. Brian at BAMIDIS.com. Once again, Brian, this has been a lot of fun, very insightful, and thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Thank you, James. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.